Welcome to the Car Deal Advisor Podcast Show. The presenter of this show is Hugh Hedrick. Get ready for special motoring legends and great deals on your next set of wheels. So the five red lights have just gone out and it's go, go, go. Advisor Podcast Show with me, Hugh Hattrick, and my very special guest, Jonathan Sutherland. Hello there, Hugh. How's it going in Duns, Berwickshire? Oh, it's brilliant as usual. Absolutely fantastic. Love the place. Enjoying uh, an early spring, I believe, in uh, down there as well. Yeah. Yes, it's been pretty warm this week. A little bit more cloudy today, but no, I can't complain. We're almost getting a suntan. Excellent stuff. Then. Who needs Sarasota, Florida, eh? When you've got spittle. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll take Sarasota. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably would too. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing. So, yeah, so it's been a busy week. Um, I've done, uh, this will be my third podcast um, this week. We've, I've had Chris Hay, uh, which I did yesterday, and also Andrew Dixon, um, who was on the show last night. So we've got an extra podcast, which is brilliant. Um, so Fantastic stuff. Getting quite a back catalogue there. So it's a Good yeah. thing to have all those uh, podcasts out there. Yep, now I need to have some listeners. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have hundreds of listeners, I'm yes, sure. We, yes, we're nearly at 1,500 overall, which is quite good. So we're, with all the platforms That's combined, it's definitely beginning to take shape, which is great. Um, so no, it's, it's always good. And they, 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 our listeners always love you, Jonathan. They always love what you've got to say. So well, pressure's on. Well, to say that. <laughs> so for our listeners, what's on the show tonight? It's all about disastrous cars, terrible cars, <laughs> and then we might just have some good cars at the end of it. Um, but yes, our main theme tonight is the worst cars ever on sale. Um, oh, we might mention some current cars and also the cars that we think are so bad you can't even buy them secondhand. Avoid at all costs because you'll pay a high price if you buy one. Yeah, I think it's going to be good fun. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, there's just so many that used to be absolute clunkers out there, weren't there? Yeah. I mean, the first car we ever had, to be fair, when we bought it um, after we left school, was a Vauxhall Chevette, and that has oh, to be. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, we bought that. Or were you giving it? Maybe, maybe we were you giving it. Maybe we were. Maybe they didn't even want any money. <laughs> that shows you how bad yeah. it must have been. <laughs> Just take it away. I it was really a... wanted to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, the Chevette Saloon, and I always remember one of my friends who actually had one, a proper one, and he says he knows why he called it the Chevette because all you do is shove it because it always <laughs> breaks down as much, you know. So, yeah, so that was one car that was certainly one of the worst cars. But surprisingly enough, I did a video a couple of weeks on, on the worst cars on sale in the UK today. Um, and we went over it a little bit last night in our previous podcast. There are some really not very good cars on sale at the moment. And I don't think people are always that aware of them. So we're actually doing a good public service tonight by saying, right, these are the cars to avoid. Um, and you'd be surprised at how many major manufacturers make them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's a few up there. I mean, there's no sort of cars that are sort of dangerous these days or sort of fundamentally flawed, but there's cars yeah. out there that are just really lazily designed. You know, there's yeah. no thought gone into it. It's just churned off the production line. They're not even particularly cheap. They've no charisma. You know, that that's that's the trouble with them, really. It was like the £22,000 Ford <coughs> EcoSport. Exactly. <laughs> It's terrible. Yeah. You can get a, you know, the kind of cars that you can get for that price. I mean, we looked at that one at the car dealership in Northumberland when we went down there. Yeah, it was about yeah. £23,000. Yeah, we thought something it was going to be like sixteen or something. And yeah, Brazilian built box. Yeah, you know, and it's just the salesman horrendous. was not impressed when we said, oh, it would be about 16000 And he went, no, it's 23000 exactly. <laughs> like, you know, 50% more than we thought it should be. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, and they don't drive very well. And it's the one car, apparently, um, that the Ford engineers are ashamed of. Yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> like... they're, probably quite, they're quite happy about the ride and handling of the Ford cars, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. the one that they don't talk about, that and the B-Max. Yeah. Well, B oh, yeah, we didn't mention the B-Max. Yeah. That's one. Uh, that's a new one for tonight, then. Yeah, well, there you go. Have to do that did you not one. always buy one of those? A gold I did. Or, I did at Water Point. Yeah, it was very Yeah, cheap. you see, the car dealer advisor doesn't listen to his own car dealer advice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> We all make mistakes. You know? <laughs> At least you didn't buy it. At least you didn't buy it. Yeah. Though you did try and buy that yellow Hyundai Pony from the Toyota dealer in Edinburgh. I remember that. Well, yes. I know that, that it shows you how bad my, my credit rating was because I failed. <laughs> I couldn't even get higher purchase for a £1,000 Hyundai Pony. 
<laughs> when I was about 20 odd. So you know, I was working back. Finance has refused my 700 pound car. <laughs> I literally think it was about 50 quid a, a month. And they said, no, you've got no chance of paying that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how much they do, how much they do. Yeah, that's going to make a great headline for the podcast. How we can't even support a £50 handout pony on finance. Yeah, so no, that, that was that was fun, actually. I've forgotten about that. Um, but yeah, so we were mentioning things like the Ford Car Plus, you know, the new one um, mm. that they launched. That, that is pretty ropey and really naff. Not nice car. Um, obviously, the Vauxhall Mocha, um, that was a day. Yeah, your, your favourite, your absolute favourite, the Vauxhall Mocha. Well, the thing is, I was with my mother today, and we were behind one, and she says, I know you hate that car in front, but I actually quite like it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I know, please. Uh, the she, trouble is with these cars is, it's, it, the, the, if the designs change and tastes change, or Ford find themselves that they don't have a small car in their range, yeah. then the market demands that Ford have a small car in their range yeah. so that fleet deals, they can have a range of cars. It's why the, they used to have cars like the Honda Legend or um, yeah. the Nissan Maxima. Do you remember those cars in the 1990s that literally nobody bought? Yeah. But if a company had a deal with Honda or Nissan, yeah. then the managing director would want a luxury car mm-hmm. and they weren't allowed to have anything unless it was a Honda or Nissan. So you had these few Honda Legends and Nissan Maximas which nobody bought apart from the CEO of the odd company. So yeah. you'd end up with sales of like five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, and Citroen, Citroen CXs or what's that one? The, the, the XM. Is that the one you're talking about? XM V6. Ah, yeah. They sold five. I mean, that was it. That the UK sales was five. I mean, the thing is, if you bought a car like that, it would cost you a fair bit. Yes, it was a fairly big discount. Um, but you paid maybe 25 grand for it, even in those days. Yeah. Um, and it was worth literally about 10 grand after a year. I mean, it really was shocking because even nowadays, the discount, you know, the, 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 the residuals aren't as bad as that. Um, on most cars are reasonable. Um, but, uh, but that was, I mean, it was a big, I mean, if you're an accountant, you get fired for buying land, you know. Oh, exactly. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, the finance director would be looking for a new job. No, it was, it was something else, but yeah, I think I mean, funny, you don't get the, the big manufacturers making, um, luxury cars anymore do you i mean i know they do really big cars like the insignia and the mondeo yeah, but yeah. the things like the the scorpio or the yeah, omega yeah. which were kind of a luxury car of their time they yeah. just don't exist anymore so yeah. these bargains are, are not really around so much yeah well of course we were at company car in action a few years ago when they brought out the mondeo vignale yeah I remember we joked with the auction price saying if, you know after three years what is it going to be worth and it's saying three and a half, three and a half, three, 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 you know, three, <laughs> three, you know, cheap one day, or cheap one day. And that was, you know, you know, you know, I'll let you know, you know, I'll let you know. That was it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Howard was down, yeah. let you know. And it was, the, it was the thing. But, uh, but I mean, we, I couldn't believe that Ford brought that out because, I mean, already now the discounts are huge on them. Um, and I mean, there's, you know, you'll get a, a Vignale Mondeo, which is actually quite a nice car. Um, for about 20 grand and it's done maybe a few thousand miles um, yeah you know there's a huge i mean it, it it can't it can't be cost effective for them to to run a car like that or to produce them and um, they must be losing money on things like that because they just don't, just they don't get that, anywhere but... near the retail it doesn't cost much more to produce a mondeo vignale than an ordinary yeah. one i mean you just throw in a bit of leather in there and yeah some roche leather or dft screen or something that's about it really you know some better wheels it's not costing them much more to make but yeah. I, the Vignali actually is a phenomenal car. I saw one today, yeah. and a uh, handsome car. And yeah. you can get them for yeah. about £20,000. It's a damn yeah. good deal. To be fair, the Mondeo is this generally a very good-looking car, especially the ST versions. I think they look really quite smart. But it's yeah. almost forgotten about now because everything's on PCP, and, and they're not so good on PCP because they're quite high because the residual value is low. Yeah. Um, so they lose a lot of money. But, I mean, we were, we were passing a BMW garage on Saturday, and when you can get a new one series, or you know, for £279 down and £279 a month, you know, it's barely more than a Dacia. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've said before, we've said in the podcast, prestige is dead. It's it's dead, because the only people that can afford PCPs are the people who take prestige cars, because the the residuals are high. So prestige has killed itself. I mean, and brands like BMW and Mercedes, they really don't know how they... I mean, they're mass manufacturers now. Any yeah. pretense that these are prestige brands is out the window. Yeah. Prestige brands now is maybe maybe Porsche, 
maybe Bentley, Rolls Royce, but they they are the prestige brands now. Aye, aye. Everything else is is produced by the thousand. Yeah, absolutely. Thousand, isn't it? You know, so that's the thing. I mean, even Porsche with the Macan. I mean, that's not. It's just really expensive Q5, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. basically what it is. Aye, aye. Actually, we need to do our, our worst SUVs because there are a few of them out there that were pretty bad. Remember yeah. we, when we were in America, we had the Jeep, the Jeep Commander, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. 5.7 V8. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, the engine was was good, um, and it did feel like a kind of military style vehicle. Um, I don't know what the economy was like because you paid for the petrol. It was um, like a military style vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite heavy, wasn't it? I mean, they, they sold them across here for a while. Um, when did. Chrysler and Dodge were doing um, really kind of when they were quite strong in the in the late 2000s. Um, and that brings me on to the American cars. They've never quite really cut it over here. In, in, in the late 2000s, there was no exception. It was the, I actually worked for a, um, a, a garage that had um, Vauxhalls and they had Dodge and, and a few others and Jeep. And I mean, the thing is, they would actually have recalls and they were still in the showroom. <laughs> the Dodge, I think it was the Dodge Challenger? No, the Dodge um, was the Avenger. Avenger. Was it the Avenger? The that Dodge Avenger had oh, literally, oh, it was terrible. They got into the showroom and they had recalls on them. And I was in the service section, so I had to phone the potential buyers who had just signed the, the paperwork to buy them and say, it's going to be a few days later. <clears throat> because we need to fix it, <laughs> you, know, like, you know. Basically, it's not working. Um, or there's a major issue with them, and it used to break down like nothing else. Um, and uh, you know, and it was, it was, it, they were quite bad, really. And they were heavy cars. They were, they weren't even nice to drive. They were heavy. They would roll about the road. Um, the steering was woolly. I mean, it was just not, not. They weren't even that cheap. No, no, they were way overpriced. Yeah, and I and, mean. They're meant to be a bit of Americana in England. It really, uh, it really wasn't. It was like the worst of America. Yeah, <laughs> mind you. terrible European dealer service. <laughs> oh, they were. Oh, they, they haven't even come to the service side. Is how bad they were for that. <laughs> but, I mean, it made the experience something else. Um, but of course, they also had. Um, now, what was the thing? Uh, they had they had to shift them. They were so they were so slow to sell. I mean, less prices were like eighteen, nineteen grand, and they were selling them for ten nine nine five. After about six months, I mean, they literally were just, you know, throwing them out the door, um, yeah. recalls or not. Um, they were they were still trying to get them out the door. And I remember our bosses because they all thought, oh, yeah, we've taken on the Jeep Chrysler franchise. And I went, what? What have you done? <laughs> you know, because they had Vauxhall, which was doing all right. And then they said, oh, we're going to have a new franchise here. It's going to be Chrysler Jeep. And we just looked and went, oh, oh, oh no. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, it's going to be awful. Um, you better employ a few more people in the recall department. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly, in servicing. You know, like, exactly, the this. warranty claims department. Yeah, yeah. it was something. Of course, in America, there's no such thing as an MOT, which oh. is why perhaps people buy those cars uh, over there. In the UK, though, with the MOT after three years, that's when they get scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. I remember, I mean, our listeners, I know, if you, I mean, in, in Glasgow, the, the Chrysler PT Cruiser, was really quite a, a, a common car. They did quite well with that over there. And it seems to be think more PT Cruiser convertibles, which was the worst ever car ever in the, on the history of the planet. I think, you know, I think I'd rather... Who was buying the PT Cruiser convertible, Hugh? Well, it, it, had, an, it had an appeal um, <laughs> to maybe a narrow audience. Um, but it was... <laughs> but... <laughs> But it was it was so bad. I mean, and the automatics were terrible. Even they were even Oof. worse. Um, was it a three speeder? It, it, I think maybe possibly four speed, but that was about it. Um, I would need to I would need to double check on that to be fair. Um, but the thing was, when it came to its first MOT, I mean, I had to phone these people up and warn them and said, "Would you like to come in to get your car serviced and MOT?" Um, and then I basically had to recommend them to take out a, a extended warranty at that point because Chrysler would subsidise the deal. So for literally mm-hmm. a couple of hundred pounds, you got yourself a two-year warranty. Um, and we all said, take it. Whatever you do, yeah. take it. <laughs> if it's been serviced, make sure you've got the sort of warranty. It was that bad. It would it break. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, what it cost one poor guy, who is, is, is PT Cruiser, it was his first MOT, and it cost him 1,500 quid to get it through. <laughs> He'll... That's appalling. Yeah. I mean, you could probably do a whole program just on Chrysler. They were that bad. Um, but the, the Voyager, the, um, the remember the Voyagers, their gearboxes would go within three years, no problem. And it was like four grand to get a new one. Um, yeah. And so that's why we always said, look, if you have it more than three years, you've got to get the extended warranty. And then at least uh, Chrysler will cover the cost. 
um, of that because that was a huge, you know, you have a massive bill. Um, and also a terrible car, you know. But it was, <laughs> I mean, a Renault was fast, really did look quite reliable compared to it. You know, it's you know. Yeah, you, you know, you might have a nice gearbox, but it's still attached to a terrible car. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. I mean, but mind course, you, I, the prestige brands would be pretty bad too. The experiences that I've had knock on with Land Rovers and Range Rovers has been abysmal. Yeah, I mean, real, real problems with those things cutting out, uh, fuel injector problems, uh, the headlining falling down. Cars just cutting out, going into safe mode. Uh, I mean, these are expensive cars, and they're just not robust at all, totally against their sort of marketing image. Yeah, and yeah, it's funny because people will line up to buy them. They will line up yeah. to buy a car that they know is going to cause them a lot, you know, cost them a lot of money. Um, but because the image is so strong, um, they'll 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 put up with it, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and it's 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 quite a thing. I, mean, I know from even Volvo. And um, you were saying that the Volvo XC90, the new version, has gotten quite a bad reputation for reliability, which is a real surprise. Um, because yeah. they've, you know, they make a lovely car. I mean, the car it looks, you know, they drive well, um, and they're beautiful interiors, very comfortable. Um, but the reliability is seemingly really, really bad on the XC90. Second worst in the UK. I mean, that's surprising. I was very surprised. Yeah. When Only I the Range Rover Sport diesel is worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're paying 60 grand for one of those, you know, minimum. Uh, you. It's like, what's the one thing worse than spending 50 grand on an SUV that doesn't work? Spending 85 grand on an SUV that doesn't work. <laughs> it's something else, isn't it? Goodness me. But yeah, uh, it was a thing. I always remember I did have a set Alhambra for a while. It was a very old one. It was like a 2001. And that must have been one of the worst cars we'd ever had. It come from Portugal. Your one had a lot of big problems. Oh, it it was I remember amazing. going on it once on a long journey with you, and <laughs> it had several fundamental safety issues with it. Yeah. I mean, literally, the wheels fell off that car, quite literally. And at Harmison Gate roundabout, it went bang, um, and we lost a wheel. It went, it collapsed, and somehow I managed to get it around the roundabout and off the road. Um, but we had to travel all the way up to um, Collins and Mains um, to actually get it off the road. And somehow it was, every time I braked, the car veered across the two lanes. Um, it was just, there was just no, the wheel wasn't connected to the, to the tyres or the hiss. It was all, um, it was something else, but they had forgotten to put, um, one of the, the calipers or the, the screws back in that holds the whole suspension and the brakes together. Um, right, and okay. That's fine. And a year of, what, well, a week of speed bumps at a caravan park had basically loosened the whole thing. Um, but I was coming into, you know, Humberson Gate, obviously on the motorway at 70 miles an hour before it slows down. And it just, yeah. as I braked, that's when it went bang. And they, I had the kids on board, Grace was on board. So that was a car that was, it was, I mean, they were not very good reliability, or even on the on the newer ones, they weren't really brilliant for that shape, because Ford had them on the Galaxy, Seat had it on the Alhambra, yes. and VW had it on the Charan um, for the early 2000s, and they were, they, they were, when they worked, they were really, really good. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the diesel engines were excellent in terms of of uh, economy was phenomenal out of them. Well, yours was unstoppable. Yeah. You know, we tried to call the M24. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know. <laughs> The traffic ahead had stopped, and your face was just like white. And I, you were like, "I know, that's full braking effort." And I'm like, "We're not going to make the stop." I don't know how we did. Did you? I don't know if we swerved up the inside or something, but the car was not stopping. Yeah, the brakes were. On. I don't know what was wrong, but I went through two sets of brake pads and this in, in about two months with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I mean, that's the, not right. It was. It was quite a machine, and of course, we took it to Goodwood when I won the tickets to Goodwood to the Festival of Speed. Yes. And we had to park. Yeah, I know that, that was the thing in the supercar car park, and they they pointed to me saying, "Yeah, your ticket means you're in there, mate." And we're like, "Yeah, we are, honestly." And I mean, this yeah. was wreck. I thought it was, if it went on fire because it was so hot that day, I thought it was going to yeah. erupt, and we would take out all these Ferraris and everything else yeah. on the field. A La Ferrari on either side. You know. <laughs> Can it be repaired? <laughs> no, you know. That'll they, already, they already built five. <laughs> and that was just the three. <laughs> that was personally signed by the boss of Ferrari. <laughs> oh, dear <laughs> me. Something else. It's like, you know. Oh, you... That, those brakes, which I thought we were going to have like a Vettel crash in testing at Barcelona yesterday. I just got straight onto the tire wall. Yeah, the wheel trim broke apparently, but it was kind of what happened to your set on Alhambra. Yeah, it was quite a machine. But in all fairness, it got us to the south coast and back up to the border. <laughs> it wasn't safe. <laughs> <laughs> and you get like halfway down, you said, I hope it doesn't rain because the wipers don't work. You're like, no, no, they, they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, it was it was better than a Top Gear or Grand Tour road trip that one. It, it was. Really was. You just it was the whole thing. It was hilarious. You couldn't make it up. And of course, the the, the windscreen wiper seized. And thankfully yeah. it was dry because, but I remember we had to get water, we had to get water bottles to clear the windscreen because we're at the end. Yeah, and it's good with it, cost about 4 each. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the thing. And we had to put water on it because we couldn't, the wiper didn't work and it was halfway up the screen. It had finished, it had seized on the yeah. bottom of the screen. Um, That's where the motor blew. Yeah. yeah, and of course the, all the dust from all the, the days um, travelling and all the in the air because it was so it was so it was quite windy that day in the, the obviously in the, in the countryside. Um, there was a layer of dust on the car by the time we got back to it, um, and it was quite it was quite a machine. And also, it, I thought the clutch and I, I just thought it was going to start overheating because it was yeah. we, were, we were stuck trying to get out, you know. But um, um, I thought well, the car was, wasn't going to make it actually, but it, to be fair, mechanically it got there. Just everything else that wasn't working on it. <laughs> Yeah. The air conditioning wasn't terribly effective as well, I seem to remember. Yes, we had the windows down, didn't we, for a bit to try and keep cool. But, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> so, yeah, no, the Alhambra was definitely one of the worst cars we'd ever, we'd, we'd <laughs> ever had. About that. You've had some special machines. Oh, we've had That's some good ones. Yeah. I remember my Mitsubishi, uh, it wasn't a Mitsubishi, it was my Proton. Remember my Proton saloon? That had a 1.3 yes. MPA3, I think it was. Um, or MPL, I used to call it. And I had 1.3 MPI. MPI. And it, you had to put a tyre in the back of it um, in order to, make, to keep it um, from kind of oversteering around the bends. Because it had horrendous lift-off oversteer. Um, yeah. And, uh, so Cameron tore around about and other places like that were never quite the same again. <laughs> As we used to come it was quite something. It's amazing how far you can stretch the evolutionary light of a 1976 Mitsubishi Lancer. <laughs> but Proton managed to do it well into the 2000s. <laughs> oh, it was, it was something. I, mean, I quite like that car. It was likeable because it was kind of cheap. Oh, it was, it, 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 it was reliable as well. It, 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 it never let me down. It was a great car. Yeah. I mean, I had it for a good year or two. Um, and I think we only paid about 1,200 quid and it was only like three and a half years old when we got it. Um, I mean, it really was. I get a three-year-old car for 1,200 quid. Because <laughs> it had a smoker. and a, It was a mobility car, but they must have gone through all the mileage because it had done yeah. about 85,000 miles when I got it. Um, What's it been doing? I mean, just driving from the moment they got smoke. it. Basically smoking and driving. Yeah. I think that was... <laughs> that was yeah. it. Must have just been smoking permanently. <laughs> yeah. So we had that. And so there's your, your VW Polo. I remember mm. going... We were going to Costco and that was a terrible car. That was And if you threw it for too long, I had a four-speed box. And if you kept it in fourth for too long, it just wouldn't come out. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. It just stayed in fourth. It just kind of jammed up. I used to think... That, the fast... that time we were driving through Darkeep. Uh-huh. And the, uh, remember you saying, yeah, it's got a slight fuel leak. So if you leave it for a while, the fuel just leaks out the tank. And then there's this massive crash. <laughs> and the exhaust came off. And there were sparks coming out the back. And fuel that had, fuel that had come from the tank was flaming away. And there's just a, a trail of flames coming in the back of your car. <laughs> and I was like, stop. I remember stopping in the entrance to Jalkeep Palace. And we just had to jump out. And we both thought it was going to go up. And like a sort of movie style explosion. <laughs> We gradually came back and somehow the fuel leak had did the flat the road just on fire behind us in the fuel leak. Somehow the fuel had stopped and it hadn't sort of blown the car up. But I know, I don't know how I only just said, Oh, just pick up the exhaust, we'll keep going. <laughs> yeah. You know what's how I asked you to do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well you stood thirty yards away. <laughs> Just get under the car, snap the exhaust off, and we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. that was. We will make it to KFC. Yeah. <laughs> I remember driving that home back to the flat, and uh, the thing was, it was so loud as well, but it was so dangerous. Um, yeah, and, uh, I, I like a rally car by the time you finished with it. Yes, it was well. Well, I sold it to a friend of mine, and they got a new engine. They put a new engine into it and did it up, um, and eventually they sold it on to somebody else. I think so. Uh, they did last for a few years after that, um, but it was quite a machine. I used to think that the faster you went. The more power the headlights got, because it was so poor, the headlights you could hardly see anything. They um, were terrible headlights. Yeah, yeah. They were really bad. And uh, but um, and you could see right through it. It wasn't that proper glass. It kind of didn't have the reflector stuff in it, you know. So whenever yeah. you got um, somebody coming down the way, the lights would just totally blind you, um, because you, the the glass was so cheap. Um, I mean, it was basically the base spec car, and from uh, from 1983, I think. So yeah, it was older than your first car by a long way. I don't know why you bought that car. Well, my time. Fiesta broke, I think, and it was going to take quite a lot of money to get it through its MOT. So this one, yeah. quite, it was only, I think it was about three, four hundred pounds. So, so yeah, so that, I, you kind of kind of forgive a really cheap car because it's yes. not quite as bad yeah. as what 
Um, yeah. It's what you know. It's like if you pay a lot of money for a new car and it's really bad, then it's worse. You know, that's then that's that's the thing. But um, but yeah. So that's so right. these kind of cars, they're not they're not around anymore. These kind of cars because of the MOTs and things these days and the emissions tests. Uh, so you don't see proper clunkers like that. <laughs> Having said that, I saw two Fiat Puntos in Edinburgh today, which oh, really look finished. Oh, I mean, <laughs> they really do. The old ones, especially from the two thousands, they were they yeah, were yeah, yeah. They were like Domino's delivery cars, one of them, and yeah. it's always driving around the place. There's that, and there's a Toyota Corolla, which is probably from the early nineties, that do Domino's deliveries around here. No. And I mean they're resilient cars. I'll give them that. But uh, yeah, they're finished. They're all bombs. I don't know who gives them the MOTs. <laughs> and they were and they were so unreliable. I mean any kind of mid two thousand or early two thousand Fiat Punto, I wouldn't go near. And uh, even to be fair, late two thousands I think now. Although it's funny because we were we were travelling past and you know, coming back from Edinburgh the other day, and cars that are even ten years old now, like Mondeos and stuff like that, and Astras, they look so much in so much, so much better condition. When you think, you know, yeah. 30 years ago, or even or 30 years ago, when my first kind of almost started driving, um, it was just like, you know, cars that were 10 years old, they were finished. They were absolutely knackered. But now you can buy, you know, an, o, an 09 plate or, you know, um, a 59 plate um, car, 58 plate car, and it looks still quite reasonable. You know, absolutely. You, you know, and this uh, is maybe where the car manufacturers have shot themselves in the foot. Because yeah. you don't need to get new cars anymore. I mean, yeah. the, the only thing you do is really upgrade the technology on board. Maybe if you want Bluetooth yeah. or better connectivity or sat and things, although it's all on your phone these days. So why do you buy a new car? That's, 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 the, that's the thing. They really need to innovate and innovate fast. Otherwise, people are not inspired to buy new cars. And I put yeah. myself in that category. I'm just not seeing stuff out there that's just wanting to put a hand in my wallet and, yeah. and, and buy the car. Yeah. And even Chris Harris on... Um, Top Gear was saying that when he was testing the new M5, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. saying it's all very well, but this car's irrelevant. Yeah, because yeah. the 535D does it a 60 in just a second longer, does four times the economy and costs a fifth to no, run it or something, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're only buying it just for, you know, a total, a total laugh. You've got speed cameras everywhere. In Edinburgh, you've got potholes. If you leave it in the city center, someone will ski it because they're jealous of it. So, you know, the environment there is, is not conducive to selling new cars. No, no. And millennials don't drive. Well, certainly the kids these days, they don't drive. They're not interested in driving. Yeah, they're too concerned about the environment now, isn't it? That's they're concerned about the environment. They've got Ubers. And <coughs> uh, if they do, then they, they sort of rent cars. Like Volvo has these sort of rental schemes. You just take a car, car clubs. Yeah. So car sharing has come in a big way with Uber. No wonder people aren't buying cars anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a thing. But I think we should get on to more terrible cars. And, uh, oh. Remember that, well, there was the Vauxhall Vectra and, and then the Cavalier beforehand. That wasn't, they were never brilliant. Compared to like the Ford versions, like early Mondeo's 93 Mondeo to 93 Cavalier. Yes. Uh, you know, the Mondeo was a much, much better car overall. Um, especially when that was launched, the Mondeo was actually quite a good car. But then there was a the Cavalier. They were always, they were dodgy for lift-off oversteer. Really bad for that, especially the hatchback, the SRIs and things like that. Um, they would, any roundabout and you lifted off, the back end would come around quite quickly. Um, and also the, the Vector. Well, the Vector was, of course, notoriously bad. Um, yeah. And, and it was so bad that I think Clarkson refused to drive it, wasn't it? Um, That's right, you refused to test it on Top Gear. You just sat there and just, you refused to make the, make the video. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was that kind of year where Vauxhall really wasn't very good. I remember you were working at a Vauxhall dealer. And oh, you yes, the, the e, was it the E-Drive Vauxhall yes. Corsa, and you almost had off. And do you remember they were turquoise, which was the big thing in the 1990s. Aye, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you were on a test drive with this, this old couple, and the car just wouldn't turn. You just went off, and you sort of went one wheel on the grass. Yeah, and, and then it had lift off oversteer when I turned, when I lifted off to try and get around the bend. It had a huge yeah. skid, and I managed to get it back without crashing, and the notorious Erlson Road. Um, and I remember coming back because they crawled on the way back from Elston because they were driving. And then as soon as they got to the garage and left, I was like, this kind of dump the car <laughs> and run away. You know, it was like, it was, I think they were quite um, scared by my driving. Um, <laughs> but, but also by the car, because of course the Vauxhall E-Drive, that Corsa E-Drive, it yeah. was designed as an eco car or yeah. to, an economy car. But they, they took, a, 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 took the Angie roll bar off the rear axle. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, the thing was completely unstable at the rear end. Yeah. I mean, why yeah. would you take that off? And I that mean, was a learner car, BSM. They had, they, they, you know, they bought millions of off, thousands yeah. of them. Um, I, I used them when I was an instructor with them in the early 2000s. 
And they were shocking cars. They really couldn't be any worse. And, uh, you know, they were a, a terrible car. The three-cylinder ones, they were really easy to stall, weren't they? Because they had no, there, there was no kind of momentum in the engine at all. So yeah. you could stall it so easily. You could barely get to 70 on the dual carriageway unless it was a long, a long hill, you know, downhill slope. You might have a chance of getting up to that. Um, but, uh, but no, they were, they were really, really bad. Yeah, they used to stall if, you, if they, they got so little power. Um, they were just awful. I think it was like 60 horsepower or something like that. It was next to nothing. Um, but, uh, but no, they were, they were a terrible car. So we've covered quite a bit. More, it's more, more power than my new VW Up, though. That's only got 59 brake horsepower. <laughs> Normally, I would have said, why on earth did you buy one of those? But in all fairness, you have given me the reasons that were actually quite sensible. So you can leave that car in a, I suppose, airport car parks and things like that, and it's going to be there when you get back. Um, 59 brake horsepower. It's a lot of power. And it's not, my, my VW Up is not the take-up. It right. is the move up, and right. that has color-coded door mirrors. That's amazing. <laughs> that is its feature, and uh, it has electric front windows. So it's kind of it's not short of equipment that car. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm very proud of my up. I asked for a cheaper one because they make three models: one called the Take Up, one right. called the Move Up, and one called the High Up for the upper classes. And I said, well, the one I really want is the VW Hard Up. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm on a serious budget here. <laughs> so that's where you got it. Yeah, I ended up with that one. But I remember the, just going back to the selling cars and you had that Vauxhall. The first car that I ever sold, I was astonished I sold it. I was working at the Ford dealer in our local town and um, they had this car which had been there a while, put it that way. It was a Volvo 340DL. Oh. Now, I'd, I'd never driven one of those, but the sales manager said, okay, um, there's a couple coming in to, uh, to look at this Volvo 340 DL. You know, have a think about your sales pitch, what you're going to say, and how much margin you've got. And I was like, all oh, right. So I did some research on it. And on paper, it looked kind of okay, and it was in good condition. So off we went on the test drive, and I started off like he told me to. And, I, I mean, I couldn't get it into gear. The gearbox was just, I mean, just a <laughs> bag of bolts. So it was just yeah. cluttering it around. I was like, goodness, <laughs> another forecourt. And, you know, the clutch was smoking away. And I was like, Where? <laughs> and I was just thinking, this car is appalling. You know, the ergonomics were dreadful. It's one of those cars they were built in, yeah. in Holland. Yeah. And, um, they weren't proper Volvos, really. They were soft Off seats there. as well, weren't they? And it just, it, you kind of sunk into them. And, oh, and they were, and just it, awful. it was just not it, a nice experience. The no. back was aching after like 90 seconds in the yeah. car. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, off we went with these squishy seats, terrible gearbox, the harsh engine that was smoking yeah. away at that like something else. <laughs> <laughs> and off we went. I just, I just thought this car is appalling. You know, I'm not going to sell this car. And I noticed that it had heated seats. So uh, I put. Oh no! All I could say was, it's got heated seats. Let's look at the heated seats. And they'd never seen heated seats before. These people at all. And they were just astonished by these heated seats. Anyway, we we switched around, and I got the old the old wifey in the passenger seat, and I turned on her heated seat. And she liked the heated seat. And off we went, and to my utter astonishment, we got back, and they said, yeah, we'll take it. And I just laughed. I thought, yeah, this is a good joke. Yeah, you're going to take it. And they said, no, it's it drives really nicely, and uh, the gearbox is excellent. <laughs> I, just, I just thought, what? I think most of the gearbox people was left behind. <laughs> yeah. So then they said, um, so will you kind of appraise our trade-in? And I went, ah. I thought, <laughs> if they think this is good, what is the trade-in? <laughs> And round the back, there was this dreadful old, oh, what was it, like a, um, oh, what would it be like, oh, uh, it's sort of J, J Reg or something, Lada Samara. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, ah, the only car that's worse than a Volvo 340TL is a Lada Samara. And I think the car's like 18 months old. I think we bid like 800 quid for it. <laughs> and they were like, we'll take it. <laughs> Anything to get rid of my lot of Samara. And that car, I drove it around, and that was just yeah. incredible. I mean, you think about the cars now. There's nothing nowadays that would compare to the likes of a lot of Samara from the <laughs> early 90s. I mean, it, it really was. Yeah. I mean, it was just proper Soviet <laughs> nonsense. You know, it's absolutely where – it's what Jeremy Corbyn would be producing today, who's producing cars in, in communist Britain. It really was utterly appalling. But – 
Yeah, something else. I remember driving one at, at uh, when I had uh, when I used to work for Bryson many, many, many years ago, um, and they had a ladder Samara that was a trade in, and I had to drive it. And once we got it going, it took a while. It was a, it was a, not a very old Samara, it's three or four years old, um, but the clutch was so heavy and really sharp as well. It was really difficult to drive, and the gears were horrendous. Yeah. The the the, the, the steering wheel bent. It was that thin, um, and it had no no strength to the to the wheel at all. Um, I mean, I don't know how people could drive them. It was that, it was that bad. You just think never, never would anyone would just get out of the showroom, let alone someone actually drive it. You know? Yeah, I kind of miss these cars in a weird way because they really were truly terrible. Yeah. And it was, but I mean, Lada still exists, didn't it? So it was a Renault. So yeah. It, well, I mean, the Riva wasn't as bad. The Riva actually was because it was more. Um, it'd been built for so long; it was more reliable. The Samara was. Well, it was, and it was designed by Fiat in yeah. the sixties. So, I mean, that's when, you know, the Italians were quite good at designing stuff. So, you know, okay, they built them out of terrible, cheap Russian steel, didn't they? And they kind of rusted away. But um, but they, they were quite funky. They were so cool for a while. Yeah. And now you don't see them. But if you were driving around a ladder Riva around sort of Edinburgh, you'd be, you'd be, very you'd be quite a cool, it would be a cool car. <laughs> I remember one of my friends at university had one, a Lada Riva, and he think he bought it for like £100 or something. And it actually didn't have a fuel tank. It had no fuel tank. So he used to drive us in from um, to the, the science block at uh, university. And the job of the person in the back was to hold a iron brew bottle full of petrol, which had a... <laughs> A clear plastic tube to the, uh, the fuel, the carburetor. And that was your job. You just, you're just holding this thing of petrol swaying around in the car. And every now and again, you'd have to fill it up from a jerry can that you had in the back. And that was your job. You were, you were the fuel system. <laughs> I, said, I said, what do you do when you buy yourself? And I said, oh, I have to have a passenger at all times. So like you need a co-pilot, you know, someone to hold the fuel bottle. I'm pretty dangerous if you go over a bump and it spills, isn't it? Well, it was. It was the most dangerous I've ever seen. But I think he was going to try and adjust it so that he had a, uh, he, didn't, he was going to have a, a fuel can which had a kind of hole in the bottom. But uh, I see. think the car exploded a bit. <laughs> <laughs> which perhaps isn't surprising. Yeah. And I do remember our visit to the British Motor Show many years ago. I think it was at Birmingham. We went down, I think we drove down for the day. Um, and it must have been oh, early 90s, I think. Well, that's when we got our licenses. Um, and we went to the FSO stand. Oh, yes. And you broke the, we broke the toggle switches on the FSO polonaise. And yeah. it just came well, right nobody off. knew what they were. Nobody knew what the switches were. Yeah. Remember we were asking the people from FSO and they had the clue. I mean, <laughs> they were as embarrassed as anyone else. <laughs> and I remember they had two or three on the stands and all the buttons did different things. They were meant to be the same model, but yeah. on some yeah. the rear domestic was in a different place. The other one, it was just, Whoever was building that car that right. day just put the switches where they fancied. I mean, yeah. it was just, oh, it was, it it was, was no like design enough. at yeah. all. I mean, you could almost say it was bespoke. But they <laughs> they never saw MOTs, those cars. They did not get to three years. Yeah. Very rarely yeah. did they get to three years. Yeah, no, they were just scrap. What we're going yeah. to do, um, we've had a phenomenal, would you believe it, that's going on for nearly 40 minutes. So oh, we better have give, our, give our listeners a quick break. So, give them a break. <laughs> you can see the, the counsellor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always said, I said this last night, we'll pay for the therapy. So there we have it. Um, you've been listening to the Cardio Advisor podcast show with me, Hugh Hattrick, and my very special guest, Jonathan Sutherland. We'll be right back after this. Very- At cardioadvisor.co.uk, we can help you save thousands of pounds on your next new car or van. And we can also source second-hand cars as well. And we can save you money on car rental, whether it be in the UK and abroad. Just click our rental link on the website. And we'll give you a free gift if you trade in your car with Way By Any Car using our special website link. So go to the website now and see how much you can save. And it's back to the show. Thanks for listening. New Advisor Podcast Show with me, Hugh Hattrick, and my very special guest, Jonathan Sutherland. Now, Hello. before we get started, we must tell our listeners about our YouTube page. You can find it under Hugh Hattrick. We've got lots of great videos on that, including our worst cars on sale today, um, plus how the website works. That's cardoadvisor.co.uk. <coughs> and of course, if you go to the services page, you can drive a supercar 
from just £49. Um, we've got some amazing deals. Just click the link on our services page and it will take you to the supercars page and then you'll be able to see exactly what you can drive. We've also got car rental, which is available in over 53,000 locations. Um, and we've got a great deal with our affiliate Fair Square, which you can actually buy cars through or you can simply finance the car of your dreams and always make sure that you get a fantastic rate of finance on it. So there's plenty to look at and there's plenty to see on YouTube. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook at Cardio Advisor. And also our Twitter is Cardio Advisor 1. So there we have it. A quick plug and make sure you like and subscribe to all our channels and shows. So back to the worst cars in the world. So, John, there must be more on your plate. What's well, next? I mean, uh, what is next with the worst cars in the world? Well, I mean, it takes a bit to beat the FSO Polynaires, doesn't it? That was a, that was a machine. I mean, all these cars from the, the old um, communist bloc were just something else, weren't they? I mean, remember Clarkson did a, was it Top Gear? I think it was still Top Gear then, when he did a car from the communist era. And they got all these cars together. And they were just terrible. I mean, they were just, there was no design innovation whatsoever. Aye, aye. No, it was, I mean, I remember the Yugo. Remember the Yugo Sana? And the Oof. Yugo 33, I think it was. Because you've had personal experience of that. Oh, well, 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 not quite. I have never owned one of these cars. I have, I have been in one, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People you know who had one. That, uh, we do know who had one, yes. So you go, was that the 30? That was the 33, wasn't it? Yeah. And the, yeah. It was a rebadged Fiat from, was that the 70s Fiat, that one? It right was about the, that, you know, yeah. I mean, Fiat was selling all their designs to these despots in the Eastern Europe. <laughs> the only way they could make any money. You know, it was like, you know, it was Exactly. Sort of and they were always more allowed than their new cars, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's a bit of a shame. It's like we should really get people like sort of, um, Maduro in Venezuela and Castro in Cuba. They should, they should start making cars. Or North Korea should start making cars and see what kind of stuff they come up with because then you'd get more of this kind of nonsense coming back onto the UK market. Aye, aye. Remember there was that, there was that, the, the old Datsia Duster. Yeah. Um, I remember because at the Vauxhall Garage they used to sell them for a while and honestly you couldn't give it away in a raffle. I mean, the guy yeah. that won it actually gave it back. It was that bad. It was so bad, he gave it back. I think it was powered by a 1.3 petrol um, Peugeot engine, Peugeot Talbot engine at the time. And it was a huge Jeep, you know, it was a big kind of, uh, like a Wrangler Jeep type style. Um, and so it was heavy and it was incredibly slow and really, really bad. Um, they were something was, else. Did you ever drive one? I don't think so, no. I managed to miss I remember that. We, we went for a test drive and one up in Woola in Northumberland. And uh, uh, yeah, the, the original Duster. And we took one for a drive and uh, I think we didn't buy any. And then we ended up with a... Uh, a Subaru pickup or something, I think that's what we bought for the farm instead. Aye, aye. Just a phenomenal car compared to a duster. Yeah. No, they were some pretty ropey cars. I mean, I suppose they were really cheap. So that that was kind of, I mean, they were like four or five grand. They were literally nothing um, compared to the, but I mean, if you bought one of those, you'd regret it straight away. Yeah. <clears throat> when you think what you're going to have to put up with um, and that. But, uh, and then there were things like Novas that used to get nicked all the time. But they were not great cars. I mean, maybe they handled, you know, well, they used to understeer um, as well. They weren't great and they weren't built that well. But, I mean, it was probably a better car than the early Corsa. The only thing was the Corsa looked a bit better because it was a bit more modern. Um, it was modern, but you know, they the spent all the money on the, the design of the exterior of that car. Because it was kind of cute, of course, when it came yeah, out in yeah. twenty three. It did look quite good. Um, but, yeah, the drive was just dreadful. But then if you think about sort of bad cars today, and you know, things like the Vauxhall Mocker are right up there, aren't they? Really? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Just, just being incredibly average. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely not that cheap. Yeah. And um, I remember driving on a company car, and they, they're just not very well-resolved cars. You yeah. remember the Hill Road, you know, the, the Hill Road at uh, Millbrook, and the trash and trouble cutting in, and, you know, they weren't resolved, they were bouncy, you kind of felt a bit sick in them. Whereas, you know, Everything else is much, much better. You know, like a VW, uh, Tiguan, something like that. You know, a different leak, you know, to things like the Mocha. Aye. And also, I mean, we used to have them for our work, Mocha turbo diesel, top of the range, four-wheel drive ones. But they were always in two-wheel drive when we needed them. But they wouldn't even get into the 40s. And that was the diesel. That was 1.6 turbo diesel, top of the range. And that's terrible for a... It's quite a small car. It's not a particularly big car. You know, it was really shocking, shocking economy from them. And they'd all been serviced and maintained, you know. It wasn't like they were, they were in bad condition. 
Um, but no, I was, I was appalled by that car. I thought it was just, it was, the ride was rough, the steering was so slow, um, in order that you think you couldn't roll it. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go around a corner that fast to apply the amount of lock that you needed. You know, yeah. it was, it was just shocking, like a bus, you know, trying to get around the corner. It was, it just didn't give you confidence to go around the corner at any kind of speed, you know, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I mean, it shows you that even today you can get, there are cars that are, that will let you down at the end of the day, you know. It's different. You can buy an Alfa Romeo and it's, it looks lovely and it gives you, when everything works, you know, it gives you a great drive. And when it goes on fire and leaves you at the side of the road, you don't mind, you know, because you think it still looks nice when it's on fire. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you know, you can kind of forgive it. Exactly. But, the uh, shell is a pretty shape. Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know. Um, but when you've got a Vauxhall Mocha, when it goes on fire, that's actually a blessing in disguise, you know. You that's know, like, right, you know, one less Mocha. Are they still making that thing? Yes, I know it's only the Mocha X, the, the kind of 4x4 version, I think, or the kind of high-end ones. Um, right. The base car's gone. And they're like 24, 25, 26 grand less price or more. Yeah. And I mean, there's discounts on them, but you know, yeah, it's not, not good. Not there's good. so much better cars out there. If you look at sort of Kia Sorento's or yeah, uh, Santa Fe, Fe's. I mean, you can get stuff yeah, yeah. proper 4x4s four four yeah. with nice interior seven seaters for, for that kind of money. Yeah. You know, up yeah. in the mid, mid to high 20s, you, you get in this kind of thing. So I, I just don't understand why you'd buy it. Just, it's kind of a Vauxhall mentality, we used to call it. You, yeah. You've always got Vauxhall. It's like people have always voted for a political party. It's always the same. I've always had one of these. I'm never going to change. You know, this is what I'm going to have to it. They had it. It's like, yeah. well, that's not going to inspire any, any, any innovation from the manufacturers whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing for the same price as a, as a top-of-the-range Ford EcoSport, and they're still quite expensive if you go for the absolute top-of-the-range one. As you say, less price, 22, 23 grand. And you might get maybe three, four grand off it. Um, but if you pair, if you've got 22 grand to spend, you can get like a year old BMW. I think it was the 320, is it the Fastback? You know, the, the one that's a kind of oh, side door. Yeah, and, and, but it's a four wheel drive. I saw a 320 G-G-G. diesel four wheel drive. Yeah, grand. And I quite like that car. There's something about it, I quite like it. And I thought, I know what I'd rather have between that and an Eagle Sport, that's for sure. You know, I mean, right, okay, but I mean, the, the three series GT is a weird looking car. You think? It is odd. Yeah, I don't know, I quite yeah. like but, um, and this was in point, this was in, um, on, on one of the main dealers that had it. Um, but it does show you what's available for really next to nothing. And um, when you consider what, you know, the quality you're going to get out of that is so much better than a cheap, you know, basically a Chevrolet Trax, because that, that's what the market was based on. It, it yeah. is. It, it's absolutely an emerging market car. But of course, the government buys most of them, doesn't it? In yeah, this country, the government buys them for welfare cars. Uh, so uh, they just hand them out, they just give them out to people. Yeah. Ooh, I'm too too fat to walk to the shop or have a mocha. <laughs> you, know, you know that's that that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it's just. <laughs> are they gonna have a Are they gonna have a land whale version? <laughs> yeah. Well, they should get walking. Yeah, maybe, maybe they. Maybe yeah, exactly. Maybe less reliable cars would be better. I just call up the. Uh, I do remember there was a great advert for the Lada Riva, um, and it had the Lada on the back of an AA tow truck, or an RAC um, tow truck, and it was, and the advert, honestly, you could not make this up, it says A to B via the RAC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is because they got two years, I think, or a year's free RAC cover if you bought a Lada Riva. And you're going to need it. <laughs> I mean, that's how much confidence they had. Don't take it on a long journey. <laughs> you know, it was, um, you're more likely to end up, you know, waiting at the side of the motorway with your with your hazards on. You know. <laughs> was, I think we should we should go and find a lot of Lada Rivas. Yeah. We go back to Russia. We should go and buy about a couple of thousand of them. We'll get some bring them over and, and stop giving them to Corbynistas and saying, "Here you go." <laughs> That's what you you car. <laughs> this is what you're going to be driving. Yeah, that's soon. Yeah, yeah. That's what we should do. That will end socialism and communism forever. I think. <laughs> well, you can't raise the expectations of the masses, can you? It's got to be only just good enough to to be able to drive, and that's about it. But well, that's it. That's right. <laughs> Everyone has to have the same model. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I have to say, mind you, in the old days of MG Rover, 
in the last days of Rover, they were producing some pretty bad cars. Um, the old twenty Rover, the old Rover twenty fives, the base cars were, although they were kind of comfortable, the brakes were like they were, oh, they were so poor. Um, they just and they wouldn't have ABS. A lot of them, the, you know, the the, the entry level cars didn't have ABS brakes. Um, my mum had one, um, and that was although the ride quality was was really really good. Um, it just wouldn't stop. It was it would lock up its wheels, and it was not nice on on bad weather. Yeah. Um, and it was also the gearbox wasn't very nice. The clutch was quite sharp. Um, but they're still, the funny thing is, they're still going today. The, even when they went through the, the boy racer phase, everyone had an MGZR, which they were a bit better. Um, but you still see really knackered ones now going about in ZRs, um, normally in Burnley and places like that. They always have them down there. Um, but uh, it's, 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 they, were, they were quite shocking. I saw a Streetwise a couple of days ago. Rover 25 Streetwise. Yeah, and that car, in all fairness, was kind of the first of the of the kind of crossovers. It was totally ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it caused them to go bust quicker than anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, were, they were quite a thing. But poor old Rover, they just squandered the money and that was it. And they never really got a chance to keep going. And of course, now they've got um, Chinese backing and it's a completely different type of car. There's normally more sports cars anymore. Then when they're coming out of MG production, it's all just kind of SUVs, and and then they've got a new MG6 coming, I think later on in the year possibly. Um, but similarly, that's the the fastest growing make in the country, the, or the they've had the biggest amount of of um, sales improvement in the last year. So it's, really? yeah, it's one of the best, um, the most improving mark, or the most. Well, um, they've gone from twenty five to thirty. <laughs> I think they've actually sold about more than 5,000 cars. It was quite a lot. They've actually... Really? Yeah. You just don't see them. Well, it's the ZS that's doing quite well. The new ZS is doing really well. Um, I've never seen one. I've seen a few. I've seen a few. Um, I probably see 20 Range Rover Velars to one MG. Yeah, they are everywhere. The Velars are everywhere. I mean, they must be. They must be still selling. I mean, Jagger Land Rover are saying they're not making many money, but they, you still see a lot about yeah, it's China, isn't it? It's China that's gone wrong. But um, but no, it's 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 quite a thing. But um, but yeah, so there we have it. So we'll bring our um, bad car section to an end. It's only been about an hour, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and for our listeners, we're going to go on to I think the, um, our next category of which is barn finds, because I know you you and I have both been kind of getting very into these kind of old cars um, and watching uh, programs about how people find these old cars and then do them up. Um, and uh, and they are it's, they're fascinating, and I think it's time for all our listeners to go out and try and find an old car. I mean, in an old, you know, see if there's a, a neighbour or somebody in the street um, that's got an old canopy on an old Lotus Elan or a Lotus something or whatever it might be, um, and say right, you know, see if they'll sell it to you, and then try and see if you can get it going because I think now's the time to have a go and get a classic. Definitely, and it, it, it's, it's weird, isn't it, that as we get into well, towards the third decade of this uh, century, people are looking back to the 80s and 90s. Yeah. It's happening with music. I'm always amazed that when I listen to music these days, even in um, relatively sort of places where young people hang out, a lot of the music is from the 80s and 90s, and they're not interested in the, the music that's being made today. And I think it's something... But it's almost the same with cars. Everything is so samey these days. It's, it's all quite safe. It all kind of works, but in the mocker. And people are looking back to get a bit of character in the cars again. Yeah. And I think that's what, you look back and you, 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 you think back to the old Mercedes, you know, the Ewings used to drive in Dallas. And they're incredibly glamorous. Yeah. Um, these cars were, you know, that's when prestige was prestige. You know, that's when you didn't, if you were driving a Mercedes, you were doing well. Whereas now if you drive a Mercedes, you're probably on the welfare. So it's, you know, you look back to the old models, which were really real status symbols. And, and that's, that's what, what... You're on universal um, credit, you mean, now. <laughs> <laughs> the money's yeah, finally come through. <laughs> that's right. Get your bags and scratch cards in your mocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, this is, this is going to get demonetized. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's never made us any money anyway, so don't worry about <laughs> Oh, we're safe then. <laughs> but I think people are looking back, as you said, to, and it's almost like the, the stories that the old cars could tell. You know, when you open that garage and there's like a, a 1985 Mercedes SL in there and you think, you know, who bought that? And, you know, what did they do? What did they embezzle? You know, whose pension fund did they embezzle to buy that? <laughs> there's, all, there's all the stories behind it, which is interesting. And the design is, is kind of crisp and nice, you know. 
it had bumpers that will, you know, snap a child's legs. You know, it's not like the days where you can just drive over people and they're fine. You know, but they look great. You know, and people want a bit of that. You know, it's uh, you, know, you get old Range Rovers, you know, with big bars on the front and stuff. It's Oh, they were, they were really totally politically incorrect, but that's what people want. Yeah, it's like the Mercedes SLs as well. They were very popular. They were on Dynasty and all that kind of thing, and they're now worth a fortune. Or they're, yeah, yeah. Quite, they're real classics and um, some lovely, amazing cars that you would get. Um, but I love the Barn Finder. It's a, a trap called what's well, produced by Haggerty. Um, and uh, you just look at it on YouTube for Barn Finder, and all the cars on there are incredible. I mean, they had like a, um, it was a, a Ferrari 250F that had just been sitting in somebody's garage that they'd forgotten about. Um, and it was still in its original condition and original paintwork. And now the value is actually on a car that's original rather than yes. something that's been repainted or changed. And you know, they want it to be as it was as much as possible. And it's incredible um, the kind of cars that they find. And they, 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 there was one guy who was driving through Detroit. I think it was Detroit. Um, and he just he saw some nice old cars outside this, on this garden in, in this driveway. So he went in to have a look. Um, and he had these old Chryslers, but a lot of them were in quite good condition. It was a pastor of a church, um, and he was in his spare time. He loved getting these old cars, and they were all up for sale. A lot of them were in, his, uh, you know, they were, these, they were in running order as well. And he was giving them away for like a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. He just wanted mm-hmm. to clear the space. Um, and the guy was saying, look, these are worth way, way more than that. Even in the current condition, they're worth you know seven or eight grand or more, you know. And then he went into the garage that he had. Um, and they had these incredible Jaguar XK140s and XK, which are, I mean, I was never into classic cars up until recently. And then I saw the, the XK140 um, convertible and it is one of the most beautiful looking things you ever see. You know, the curves on the on the front bonnet, you know, it's just, just in the, the, the wings, the wheels, really an amazing piece of artwork, really. Um, and he had three of them in this garage and I thought that's a car I would really I would love to get a glow one of those because because we had an old Jaguar Mark 7 classic for many years and we did it up and eventually we, we sold it for less money than, than we paid for it you know, after all the work <laughs> and all the rest of it it was only in the registration well, not, now. not now I think it's the back and back again if you kept it you probably would have done quite well with that yeah now. well I know where the well, car I'm is like, I'm telling you it must be something to do with hitting the age that we're at or something I just Suddenly, maybe, maybe it is these shows because they're, they're really good at making the cars seem exciting and yeah, the process of finding them and doing them up, they make it really quite glamorous. Yeah. So maybe it's um, we're going to get a car that, along with the, the kind of dull modern cars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're going to get some. We're going to be down to Brooklyn at the steam show soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like Jasper Carrot. I've turned forty and I've got my cardigan. That's, you know, that's right. Get, get the cardigan and buy yourself an old Morris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's fascinating the stuff that you do. There's another one I like called Wreckfest. Right? It was a Wreckfest, or um, it's similar to that. Um, and they go into junkyards across the states, and the challenge is they have to find a car in the junkyard that they can actually drive out of there. The same day, um, so they get all these like, old, fire, you know, Pontiac Firebirds and and uh, Mustangs. There's hundreds of old Mustangs, and many of them like they don't even have doors on them. You know, they're real kind of kind of um, it's kind of like Mad Max cars. By the time they kind of get them going, um, but they're amazing, and they, you know they bring batteries and and stuff to try and get them going. Um, some of the cars have been sitting there for twenty years or more. Um, or certainly 10 years, and they, by the end of the day, they managed to get these cars running, and then they drive them around yeah. the scrapyard, and eventually some they drive them on the road, drive them home. You know, that's what you can do in America, uh, like in certain states. Um, but it's well, great. There's, there's, there's no MOT, so, so as long as it moves, <laughs> it can drive. <laughs> it's yeah. okay, yeah, you just get an insurance, and away you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I would recommend them to our, our listeners. I think they're fantastic fun, um, and it, it's just hours and hours of enjoyment. And I think that oh, it's almost like, you know, I mean, yes, there are good things on, on Top Gear. There's good things on the Grand Tour. But it's just because it's real everyday kind of lives and, and people having a go. Um, it's brilliant fun. You know, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's great to see. And if they're done well, you get the human stories behind the cars. Yeah, that's And often the, the emotions involved in these cars where people bought them or became ill and couldn't do them up. Yeah. And that's it's a big If they're done well, you don't want to. Sort of, you know, go too much on that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if it's done well, then that can really add to the, the story of the car and the background of the car. Yeah. And I quite like watching um, another one is Chasing Classic Cars. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Wayne Carini, and that's on, I think it's Quest, which is basically the only channel I watch these days. Um, and yeah, he just goes around, sometimes it's barn finds, or sometimes it's people who are too ill and want to sell these cars. But the, the machines that come through his hands are just. 
Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And you, you get, get the impression with this guy, guy that he just loves the cars and, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. makes a bit of money out of it. Brilliant. But uh, he just absolutely loves cars. He loves owning these things and doing them up and making them better. And he likes to help people out as well. We've got into trouble, and uh, uh, it's just fantastic. fantastic. And some of these cars go through that he represents are going through at twenty to thirty million pounds through these auctions. Um, not necessarily the barn finds, but just he, he helps people sell cars and you know promote cars, and he knows the best place to go to, to get the best money for them, the best the best way to sell them. And it's just fascinating watching the, the auction process and uh, how they, the, the sheer value. In these, these cars, cars. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like you, I'm totally hooked on these shows. Yeah. Also, I'd much rather watch Chase and Classic Cars or I'll try Barn Finders than Top Gear in a way. Yeah. If it's a choice to do, I'd probably watch Chase and Classic Cars. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely more, it is more interesting, and there's so many of those. Um, videos about which is great you know it's it, there's loads to watch so definitely recommend to our listeners to have a good watch around now we're going to come to our our special sim racing section um we always do this time of week we've got a, a, quite a special um segment um on on sim racing because we've been inter- we've been interviewing a number of sim racers um and of course we've got the reopening of the jim clark room um in the summertime uh, back up here in duns and there's going to be the celebrity reopening hopefully in august time um, and to all our listeners, we are having a competition. How would you like to race against Super GT or Tijney or Chris Hay? Because they are hoping to come to our special simulator race um, on the weekend of the reopening of the Jim Clark Museum. And it's an amazing prize. It's going to be on a proper simulator rig provided by a major uh, Silverstone company, um, which is going to be really, really good. And, and there's a potential that we might even see some of the celebrity Formula One drivers like David Coulthard um, coming over to have a go as well. All you need to do is go to our website, which is cardoadvisor.co.uk and hit the donate page and enter for a pound. And if you do that, we will put you into the hat and we'll be picking out a winner. Um, it will be obviously much nearer the time. And all you need to do is make sure you can get up to Duns to actually get to the race. And um, we're not going to be able to provide any cost to get you up here. Um, but uh, it's going to be a phenomenal day and you're going to be able to race against some great drivers. And you'll be able to get the T-shirt to say, did you beat Super GT or not? So that's going to be the Cardo Advisor Sim Race. And it's going to be in August time for the reopening of the Jim Clark Room. And as soon as we get the dates in place, we will let you know. But it's going to be a phenomenal racing event. Hopefully, Jonathan, you can come and visit us on that day when it's there. It's going to be great fun. Absolutely. When you get the date, let me know. And um, if somebody does donate a pound on the website, I'd imagine there's a fairly good chance they're going to win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, odds on. (laughs) Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> we're hoping to launch. No, no, it sounds amazing what you're organising there, Hugh, and I hope that it all comes together. Yeah. I look forward to hearing how that progresses. Yeah. Um, I think sim racing is becoming, it's almost, if you think about e-sports, yeah. you know, they're, they're becoming far more popular. And you've sort of even got the, is it Formula E? I know that's not sim racing, they're electric, but the push towards environmentalism and Formula you know, the, the fidelity of the, exactly, the fidelity of the simulators is obviously becoming yeah. more and more realistic in that the Formula One races themselves use simulators to learn tracks and, and obviously sim racing in itself is becoming way, way more popular. Mm-hmm. and uh, the, the people involved are becoming celebrities in their own right. So it's, it's exciting stuff. Yeah. You're at the forefront there, Hugh, once yeah. again. Well, hopefully it will go really well and we can raise the money. We need, we do need nearly £4,000 to do it. So if there's any big sponsors who are listening to the show and who would like to invest in us, then we're ready to go because we'll be able to do it, hopefully, with a Jim Clark name. Um, we're just in talks with the Jim Clark Trust at the moment um, to see what we can do with that. But it would be a phenomenal weekend and hopefully it's something that we could do every year as well. Because I think it's a great prize. I mean, many of these sim drivers have huge followings, you know, over 170,000 for Super GT um, alone. Um, so to be able to, you know, to get one of his fans or um, fans of all three to be able to come up and win, win the event and you have a chance to race against your heroes. You know, this is a, this is brilliant. And who knows who else might turn up as well that you could have a chance to race again uh, too. So we're hopefully to get some merchandise made like T-shirts and things like that um, that will be able to say, I raced against Super GT 
and on the back it will say, and I lost. <laughs> or you won, you never know. How would it be to get someone like Kutha to race against Super GT? Because it would be sort of two worlds crossing. The real world of racing crossing with the kind of new and growing sim world crossing. And I think if you, if you can get that, then both for Super GT and for David Kutha on their various social media, um, for their followers, it would be a fascinating thing to, to promote themselves. So I'd imagine they'd, they'd be keen to get involved as well. Yeah. And we're going to live stream it too. The whole the plan is we live stream it as well, so it'll be on all day, so that people will be able to see it live, um, and it'll be a fantastic event, and they can donate to the the cause as well, which should be super. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and one of the things that Chris Hay was saying yesterday is that what this what what has taken people with with the sim driving is that they can it's the only way they can really get to drive the amazing cars of history, you know, like the Porsche 962s that raced at Le Mans, um, you know, or the or the Ferrari, you know, Formula One cars of the early 90s, um, mm-hmm. because he was using things like Arsetto Corsa um, has amazing mods if you use it on PC. Um, you can get these updates and you can you can buy them and um, and it, it means that you can some of them are free some of them you can you can give the the people who created them uh, like a donation um, but then they work straight off and then you can drive these amazing cars and you know it's almost like doing it for real so the feel is fantastic and um, the the racetracks are like from those from that day and age as well um, so it's it's brilliant it's a chance like we could be touring car drivers from the nineties instead of just watching it in those days you can actually have a go you know. Um, you could take on Mansell at Donington. Yeah, see, he's the one that pushed them off. You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's it's phenomenal what what the what sim racing is doing, um, and now more and more people are buying the you know the seats and the racing wheels and things like that. Um, so it's uh, perhaps we'll have another night with you and a, you and me, and we'll video it. And we can put it out on our YouTube channel, a video night we're racing and showing how good sim racing is. Um, if you've got the wheel and things like that. Um, but no, it's it's absolutely super. Well, look, we better bring it to a close. I don't know how much of our, or more our listeners can take. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And thanks oh, it's to, been good fun as always, Hugh. It's good fun as always. And thanks to all the listeners. Remember to go to our website at cardoadvisor.co.uk where you can get a range of amazing services from driving supercars to organising your hire car for your Orlando holiday. It's all there on the cardioadvisor.co.uk website. But a big thanks to Jonathan Sutherland for our guest this week. And to all our listeners, have a great and safe week. Just like William Willard, drive carefully. We'll be back <laughs> soon. Bye for now. See you, na- see you later. For more information, go to cardoadvisor.co.uk and you can see all the special offers that we have on the website. And remember, we have our YouTube channel, which is at Hugh Hattrick. And also, we have our podcast on Podbean iTunes, SoundCloud, and Anchor FM. And if you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our shows, or you can donate every month for just a pound. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.